Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie. And on this episode, we're doing the 29th Best Picture winner around the world in 80 days. This is a 1956 epic adventure comedy, which is a genre I don't think we've really had before. Are you sure it's a genre, or they just mashed together some things and were like, it's a genre? I think it's a subgenre. It's a lot <laughs> of other genres mixed together in a little pot to create this thing. Um, and it stars uh, Canton Floss, who is like, I want to talk actually quite a bit about his performance because he was the standout performance to me. Agreed. Um, and he was a Mexican actor, I believe, who was like super popular in Mexico. This was kind of his biggest thing he did in the US, but mm -hmm. he was known as like the Mexican Charlie Chaplin. And I totally see that. Definitely. In a lot of, he, he provided a bunch of the more slapstick style yes. comedic relief throughout the entire yes, film. Yes, 100%. I will say I... I think this is probably a source material problem, not an acting problem, but I did not like how he didn't have any growth throughout the film, I, especially with the wayward eye toward all the women. Like, that part rubbed me the wrong way. We'll talk about this more when we get into Watch Notes, I'm sure. Um, there was not a lot of character growth to be had anywhere. Basically, none that I could no, see. Uh, no, this is this this was a, one of those films that is meant to entertain, not to teach or really make you think in any way and it's pretty clear based on the the shots and the scenes that they had that it is pure entertainment yes yes but it also stars david niven who i really adore because sometimes i too feel like a grumpy victorian man sometimes hey <laughs> sometimes i'm a canton floss sometimes i'm a david niven it depends on the day um, so what day is today uh, we'll find out. I don't know yet. <laughs> um, and then it also doesn't star, but has a Shirley MacLaine in yes, it as well. as a she, South Asian princess. As an Indian princess. Yes. So She's very white. That, that is one issue point that out. right off the bat. This story, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with it. It is based on the Jules Verne novel by the same name, and it follows Phileas Fogg and his valet Passepartout as they attempt to circumnavigate the world in 80 days in order to win a bet. How quaint. <laughs> I know. It is It is very quaint. And, <laughs> when taken know, through a modern eye. It's epic. Um, so it was produced by uh, Michael Todd, who was, I believe, married to Elizabeth Taylor. Um, but he was actually known as like this big Broadway producer and Broadway showman mm -hmm. and had never produced a film before. And he had created this um, filming technology. It was called the Todd AO camera or filming technology. I tried to do a little bit of research on it. I'm not super familiar with like the general mechanics of film and cameras. So mm -hmm. it, a lot of this went over my head. Um, but he actually sold his interest in that like technology mm -hmm. in order to help finance the film because unsurprisingly it was a very expensive film. It was shot largely on location. Literally around the world. So yes. props to them for that. <laughs> and it, it was 75 days of actual filming. It actually cost under six million to make but like at the time that would have been a larger budget yeah but it was 112 locations 13 countries and 140 sets um the costume department provided almost 70,000 75,000 costumes which is the most out of any hollywood picture ever and Jeez. the costumes were great i thought they were well and considering all of the supporting and background cast that they had mm -hmm. like it's a lot of extra. That's impressive, well, yeah. And because not only is this movie set in a lot of different countries, it is also set in the Victorian era. So, mm -hmm. like, they're not only having to provide costumes for all of these different cultures, 
but they're complicated costumes but they're, too. they're also like historical costumes yeah. from all of these different cultures so th- that's very very impressive um and so awards other than best picture it won for best cinematography color I'm very on board with this. I there were certain bits of the cinematography that I loved, not a ton that like blew me away, but I I understand how I got that award mm-hmm. because I feel like there's also the general just undertaking of this film and like the fact that they shot on location and yes. like how complicated I'm sure setting up some of those shots were. Well, yeah, I'm thinking about some of the shots from the balloon, for example, mm-hmm. where not only you have the balloon launch scene, like you get that that wonderful shot down onto yeah. the crowd, but you also get these huge, expansive, wide shots of the landscape, yeah. like from the perspective of the balloon. So like some of that stuff was really, really cool mm-hmm. to me. And uh, that sequence is actually not in the book, but they added it to the movie in order to kind of show off that technology and show off that cinematography, which obviously worked. So that's why it was three hours long? <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's maybe some of the fat that could have been (laughs) trimmed. Um, Because as we mentioned, um, yes, it is three hours long. Yes, there's an intermission. No, there's not a lot of character development. So you guys, I'm sure, understand what filled that three hours. Eye candy. It was eye candy. Yeah. Pure and simple. Which, not necessarily a bad thing. It's fine, but I, you know, for three hours, maybe I want like a little bit of substance to my eye candy. (laughs) I don't want to eat candy three meals a day. (laughs) so you you're like up for two hours of eye candy yeah then your tolerance goes way down yeah yeah. uh that's the third hour that kills you um (laughs) it won for best film editing it won for best score which i fully support i really liked the score yeah i I thought the score was really good it was victor young and i believe this was his only win for score but that he had been nominated like 20 something times or something like that well it's a good one to win like Mm -hmm. i think the standout for me was his sky symphony so that's the one where um Passport 2 and Phileas are up in the balloon, mm-hmm. like flying over the uh, European countryside, I guess the south of France, probably, given that yeah. they landed in Spain. Um, and that just a beautiful theme there that comes back time and time again. And like, I can see the components of how that store, uh, the that score is supposed to kind of bolster mm-hmm. Phileas's like development into a more romantic, more caring, more passionate character. Granted, um, does he actually get there? We will debate that don't later. Don't think he does, but <laughs> the score definitely was there to try and support yes. that. Well, so. and I think another cool thing about the score is like again with the costume, it's the same thing with the costumes. Like you're showing these wide variety of cultures and locations, mm-hmm. and I felt like the score paid homage mm-hmm. to kind of what you would consider like music. Um, I guess, typical of like that culture Mm -hmm. or something like that without being too hokey, I thought, or without like, like I thought it weaved them in nicely Mm -hmm. and it connected them in a way that they each location still had its own distinct score, but it fit into the wider piece. You could, uh, I don't know, I kind of go back and forth on this because you could just as easily make an argument that it was such a surface level view of each of the different locales that they pulled that... kind of verged on potentially disrespectful but again this is a movie from the 50s that's trying to cover i didn't feel that way about it musically i think there was certain script pieces that i would agree (laughs) with that statement yes i don't i don't think that the i didn't feel that way about the music yeah um yeah i mean that's some of the writing go both ways some of the writing i definitely felt that way about um it also won for best adapted screenplay it was nominated for 
Best Set Direction nominated for Costume Design, which I forgot to look who won Costume Design, but I feel like just purely based on the fact that they provided that many costumes and that they were good costumes. Mm-hmm. like It was volume and mostly quality. Yeah. Um, and Michael Anderson was nominated for Best Director. So other films from that year that were nominated. Friendly Persuasion, Giant, The King and I, and The Ten Commandments. Obviously, Hollywood in this period is a huge fan of the historical epic. This is the first of several that we will be watching. So uh, buckle up. I'm so excited. (laughs) So excited. I know. I kind of want to be like the Academy. (laughs) I, too, love a good epic. But like, do we have to have so many of them back to back? (laughs) A movie that came out that year that was not nominated for anything, and which we have covered on this podcast, The Searchers, with John Wayne, directed by John Ford. So, if the Academy was biased toward historical epics, I can understand why The Searchers was not nominated for Best Picture. If we're talking about movies that have held up, and I would say potentially with the exception of Giant, I have not seen Friendly Persuasion, but of the nominees, I don't think a single one of them has held up as well as The Searchers. Yeah, it's in terms of like the empty calories of 80 days. Yeah. Um, that The Searchers really kind of makes you yeah. think. and It's really, got more meat to it. Yeah, it's got character development. It It is also stunningly beautiful. Um, yes. We, we probably Honestly, shouldn't talk too much about probably it. probably more beautiful than 80 days. Like I would The agree. undertaking was less agree. grand than Around the World, but... Uh, I don't know. Anyway, because we covered it before, I think we're a yeah, smidge um, if, biased if you towards wanna, Searchers. But. I mean, if you want to, I've, I've seen both Searchers and 80 Days before this podcast, and I would always have gone with the Searchers over mm-hmm. 80 Days. But if you guys want to hear us talk more about that, we did a special episode on it uh, that my dad guested on for Father's Day. So you it should was, go listen to that. That was fun. I think it was a really good episode. Uh, Just a last little bit of background on the Oscars from that year. So this was the first year that the best foreign language film was a competitive category and not just a like honorary Oscar and Federico Fellini's La Strada one. We really should do just like a Fellini series. I am on board with that. Um, But that actually brought a lot of interest into foreign film. Oh, cool. Um, mm Mm-hmm. And 80 Days, like we've had a lot of these large scale epics win before, um, think gone with the wind i would count zigfeld as an epic yes agreed like you know we've we've had epics like this before um but this kind of really a greatest show on earth this really kind of cements the decades trend of epics so after this like i said we have several one of which we'll be covering in our next episode oh so excited (laughs) um and 80 Days was the sixth film to win Best Picture without getting any acting nominations. Maybe it's because there was no character development. I was going to say like, there was not. I think this is a material to issue. The actors, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I felt like I felt like they did their darndest. There just wasn't much there for them. Like I like agreed. I really liked Canton Floss, and it made me want to watch more of his stuff. And like I like David Niven. I've seen him in other mm-hmm. things. Um, just everyone felt so one dimensional yes. that. I, it's funny to me that this is an epic, So, but I think it suffers from focusing too much on the big picture and too little on the individual players. Oh, absolutely. Somehow. I don't know how it's, they managed to pull that off, but... <laughs> I think because the way we're going to kind of split this up is there's like this opening segment that's like kind of... It's, it's related to the rest of the movie and I think kind of makes the point about why this movie is so focused on the big picture instead of the yeah. small picture. And like the individual, um, but it is separate from the main story. Yes. So it 
um, like that opening part, they have this speech by this guy and it's in 35 millimeters. So you see like mm-hmm. the, the small square screen, um, which is really and interesting. And I have to say, this was actually some of my favorite camera work that was done, kind of the transitions that they do. Yeah, this, this that segment. was really good. Um, so he's talking about like, oh, how we've always had a fascination with exploration and all this fun stuff. And he talks about um, Melies. Georges Melies. Melies. Thank you. I don't speak French. Sorry. <laughs> um, his uh, movie from the... Uh... <laughs> Ian just rolled his eyes so hard at me. <laughs> um, I believe the late 1800s um, about going to the moon. Mm-hmm. A um, trip to the moon. It's very... I would highly recommend finding... I think you can find it on YouTube. It's very I, I short, so, yeah. but it is It is. It was a time capsule. It is like kind of trippy, but like in like a really kind of fun way also he said the um it i don't remember the guy who's doing the narration's name but he was i think a a news personality Mm -hmm. at the time but he says this line about no one has yet been to the moon to see if he was right about melier's depiction of the moon which is again very trippy very fantastical and i'm like just give it a few years i know i for a minute i was like wait what and then i was like oh yeah this is like 12 years no 13 years i guess before we go to the moon, which is funny because we're filming this on the weekend after the um, Apollo 11 anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Really good timing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say we planned it this way. Sure. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, we're that organized. Um, but that w- that really was an interesting introduction. Mm-hmm. Now, I... But they do this beautiful transition where the screen widens from the 35 mm-hmm. millimeter into kind of like the full ratio we're used to. Yeah, the anamorphic. While it's, yeah, while it's centered on this rocket and he's talking about, um, you know, the progress of mankind and how we've now built something that's capable of, you know, wiping out most of humanity, but that there's also a hope to it and like the ability to explore further because of this and kind of technology is a way not only to destroy, but also to bring people together. And I think that intro is so Jules Verne. Mm -hmm. It is so Jules Verne because he was, you know, he was a sci-fi writer, Yeah, but he was always focused on both kind of like, the negative and positive realities mm-hmm. of like exploration and change and progress and stuff. So I like it was an appropriate introduction. I do, I I didn't hate it. Like normally when you get introductions like that, I'm like, why are we doing this? But like, it it seemed to fit here. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think watching that intro, it makes a little bit more sense as to why so much of the main story it's it's not about like who is Phileas Fogg and how does this trip and these other cultures change him or like who it's is a, Passport 2 and how about how does the relationship between these two yeah. people yeah it's about like can they do it mm-hmm. so i think i think that's why it's weak on the character development i do not think that excuses it being oh, weak no, on the character development because i think you can easily do both and <laughs> mm-hmm. i think well maybe not easily but i think you can do both and i think that would enhance that broader Idea. Well, it would humanize it a little bit more. Because, yeah. like, even some of the the narrator's comments in the beginning, like, I, I really like the line about the people who live on the shrinking planet, mm-hmm. especially taken through a view today where it's, like, tens tens of hours to get around the globe, not tens of days. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I I don't know. It Again, I agree with you that that's why they focused on the big picture, but I, I needed, like, the hum, more human element to yes. it, which is funny to hear me say as I know, such a plot-driven viewer. I know, because you always hate the human element. I don't yeah. always hate it. This movie's all plot. This should be your favorite. You're number one. Okay, this was, like, 5%, 95% human to Ian plot. Ian needs 90-10%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I need twice as much character development. <laughs> <laughs> 
So like the bare minimum. Basically. Gotcha. Um, but then there's also, you know, we're going to transition into talking about the main story now, but the film also does a really nice transition where you have um, the footage of Earth from the rocket that's going around the Earth. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're kind of seeing like the Earth spinning and it transitions into a spinning globe. Yeah, that was a cool transition. Yeah, I thought it was nice. I thought well, this, and the this fact film did footage... some of the best film transitions. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And that, again, because it was nominated for editing, yeah? Mm-hmm. There we go. It won for editing, yeah. <laughs> so definitely deserve that on that front. Mm-hmm. So we get in that introduction, really great transition into some very gratuitous establishing shots in London. <laughs> like, I didn't need five minutes of walk, watching Victorian people walk on the no, street. No, but <laughs> we get the introduction of Passport 2, which, which is, is one really of my great. favorite introductions. And With it, the bicycle. Yeah, so he's on... One of those gi- bicycles has like the giant front wheel and the small tiny wheel. And I'm like, how, how is he? How? <laughs> Just how? He's the Mexican Charlie Chaplin. He's of course so good. he can like. I mean, and I think Canton Floss, you know, talking about the performances, I like I said, I think Canton Floss is the standout for mm-hmm. me here because like there's not a ton to work with, but like because his physicality is so good and because he has that like Chaplin-esque, yes. that like kind of silent movie comedic mm-hmm. timing and physicality to him he's able to do so much between the dialogue because he has I this like say, happy-go-lucky look on yeah. him like he's totally oblivious to the fact he's holding up a whole horse-drawn carriage like yeah he even stops to pet the dog on There's, the street and like, i like the way that the f- camera follows him down the mm-hmm. streets yeah and he again ends, camera work was cool camera that was part. really good um there and then he ends up at an employment agency <laughs> where this guy is like sobbing because he's talking about working for Phileas Fogg and what a nightmare the man is. And the guy who runs the employment agency is sitting there being like, get yourself together, man. Like, it can't be that bad. And I'm like, clearly, Fogg is an abusive employer. Let Why the man cry. D- yeah. Now, in that scene, too, I do want to point out that the shot in that employment office was gorgeous. Yes. So they had... um whole bunch of these really beautiful, highly symmetrical shots mm-hmm. um, that just worked really, really well. So like you have uh, Passport 2 coming in from the door, opening up the gate. And then when he makes that giant noise, every one of the butlers like turns. or footmen yeah, turns yeah. and looks at him. So that that di- directorial and it, work there. And it immediately sets him apart too. Yeah. He's like set apart visually. Um, and I have to say, I think – this film, even though those characters never grow or change, it does a very nice job of introducing you to the characters. Yes. So, like, with Passport 2, we get, like, this idea that he's, like, kind of happy-go-lucky. We've already seen that he's a bit of a ladies' man on his, like, ride to the employment office. We see that he's a little bit out of his element because mm-hmm. he's kind of been set apart from all these other butlers and housekeepers and stuff. Yes. And then... Um, basically what he gets from this conversation as the guy is describing what it's like to work for Phileas Fogg, which again, we've not met Phileas Fogg yet, or have we? Um, I think we did notice him. We did see him go into the reform club and And complain about his paper being fussed. Else read his paper. So we immediately kind of know who this guy is. And then we get further development for him when the, um, crying butler is just talking about like, he's, bath has to be exactly 83 degrees like his toast has to be exactly toast yeah like how do you measure the temperature of toast (laughs) like good question like you know it's stuff like that so we already get an idea of how much of like this like stickler i'm gonna say oh like 
over-stereotypical British aristocrat. Yes, is yes. Obsessive and is almost like... we also have a good picture of Passepartout, so we kind of see that, like, there's going to be... Like, these two are not... They're basically a foil the match. Yeah, they're, they're a great foil, which I wish we had seen throughout the movie more of a, mm-hmm. like, butting heads and yes. then friendship because, like, they... I feel like they become friends pretty you do? fast. I don't think they're... Well, not friends, I, but I feel yeah. like they, they, they never have, like, the contentious relationship I was expecting. Yeah, agreed. Well, I, like, I feel like they didn't have the contentious relationship because Phileas just didn't care. But, like, I, but he does, but he, and the, it is established later in the film that he cares about Passepartout. Like, when Passepartout gets shanghai he's like, we must find Passepartout, and he, like... Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. ...goes to, like, save him from... When <laughs> Passepartout gets captured by Indians, uh, or... They are calling them Indians in the movie, Native but it's Native Americans. Americans, which is especially confusing in this movie because they also are in India yeah. at one point. But yes, I will I will say that I found, and this is probably because this would be the culture I'm historically most familiar with, but I uh-huh. found the Native American segment the most racist. I mean, the Indian, and honestly, the uh, section in Hong Kong, like, it was all pretty racist and stereotypical and like... Because you... Not... But it was like... I would say the Native American segment was the most overtly racist. The rest of it, there was... Okay, that's fair. I would say that it was it was racist in the point that it was like very stereotypical and not at all nuanced, which... I can, is well, that technically racist? But like in general, I never felt like it was the making fun of another culture. Well, and because I, they I wouldn't always necessarily say, say the Native American portion was making fun of them so much no. as like grossly misrepresenting them. Like yes. to an offensive point. Yes. <laughs> I think the stereotypes they were using in that segment were the most offensive stereotypes. Okay. I would say I don't think the stereotypes in the other segments, and again, I am not a part of those cultures, so mm-hmm. I could be completely wrong. Yeah. I did not think that they were really that offensive. Like, I thought that they were just kind of like surface level look stereotype. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily an offensive stereotype, which is better than I would expect from a film of this time. <laughs> Still not great. <laughs> no, no, that does not mean it's, it's not good. off the hook. No, but, of course not. Yeah. Like when we say stuff like that, we are not letting these movies off the hook. Like no. it should never have been that way. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting that in general, they set Phileas Fogg and Passport 2 up as kind of strangers in this culture. Mm-hmm. And they the were kind time. of, and they were like the naive ones. So there's like the bit where Passport 2 kind of does like the bullfighter thing with the cow in India and people are like, what the fuck are you doing? That's a sacred animal. And they go after him and it never, like that segment did not feel to me like they were making fun of the fact that cows are a sacred animal in that Mm -hmm. culture. But it was kind of like looking at like, look at this stupid thing Passepartout did because he didn't know. Like, But at the same time, that's like the only thing they focused on. And I'm kind of like, yeah. I will, but I think part of that's too is that they never spent a lot of time in any particular yeah. place. Like the place they spent the most time is in India, and that's because that's where they rescued the princess. Yeah. Well, and that's again. So I I saw some parallels between the funeral pile scene and the scene with the uh, Native Americans as well, where it's like, what is the ceremony that you have these folks doing? What you could describe as a stereotypical tribal dance that, like, yeah, that, that's the part where I'm kind of like, really. I did actually look up the 
I think it's pronounced Sati or mm-hmm. something. So I did actually no, look that, that up. That's yeah. like actually a thing. Well, but, which is why um, I looked it up because I was like, is this, like, I was like, is this actually a thing or is this a thing that people just thought was a thing? Oh, yeah. And it was historically a thing. But so, it, so that's fine. It depended and, on what time period you were in. It yeah. sounded like, sounded like some people, some rulers were like, no. And other rulers were like, eh. So. <laughs> Interesting. So, like all of history, <laughs> the atrocities you face depend on what time period you're in. Awesome. But don't worry, there will be some somewhere. <laughs> oh, geez, that's so postmodern Bleak. of you. Yes. Um, okay, so in the interest of like actually getting through this really long movie, um, it's an easy plot to simplify. It really is. They hit like four or five places Spain, India. There's a very Hong cool Kong. bullfighting scene that I believe Canton yeah. Foss actually did. But oh, again, shit. that scene went on so long. Yeah. Okay. But hold on. We'll get to that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> America and then back in, in England. So mm-hmm. um, the kind of as the backdrop of this and as the as much of an antagonist as you can get, there's a detective trying to solve a bank robbery Yes, case. which I kind of I think is interesting is that the bank robbery is the subplot in this film. Yeah. Because normally you would think that a bank robbery would be your main plot, plot, but it's just kind of like this thing that is that happened. Is like the Bank of England mm-hmm. was robbed, and one of the guys is like a member of the Reform Club, and all those Reform Club guys, oh my god. They were actually really funny. They're very funny. They're so, <laughs> they are so British. Well, I loved the conversation about how the world is going to shit because someone read someone's paper. Yes, yes. <laughs> that, oh, that was my funny. God. They're like a million Phileas Fogs, but yes. not like, like, they're even less charming exactly. as possible. Um, <laughs> but the Bank of England has been robbed. Uh, there's a detective that they run into in, I believe, Algeria, right? It's Algeria or Morocco. I believe I it was, think Algeria. I think it was egypt actually was it in egypt i thought they went to egypt at anyway, a different time it's well, hard to keep up where all they go yeah. but anyway it's um he's a detective and he thinks that phileas fogg matches the description mm-hmm. of the bank robber well, and, and be he's honest. convinced that it's fogg because he's like why would this man have left the country so soon after and he's got all this money and it's like mm-hmm. maybe he's a rich guy trying to win a bet like yeah but he's talking to Passport 2, and Passport 2 does not realize why he's asking these questions. And so he just tells him everything. But, but what like, he's geez, telling Passport him, two. he's not explaining, like, oh, he has a bet, so we're trying to go around the world in 80 days. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're traveling the world. Like, he's saying it in a way that, like, supports the confirmation bias of yeah. this detective, which is very <laughs> funny as an, like, it for is. us as It is. Totally audience. agree. Well, it's it's the dramatic irony that you get yeah, in there. Yeah, so this detective, like, like, basically oh follows them around mm-hmm. the world. Which is really funny. So, um, Phileas makes a bet with his, his, uh, friends, Are question mark. Does Phileas have friends? No, he doesn't. He, he doesn't have friends. says his he doesn't. His compatriots of the reform club, um, and like leaves immediately. Which, can we talk about the irony of that being called the reform club when they are all so, so firmly it's really stuck great. in their Victorian British yeah. empire ways. Um, so he gets to Paris, is like, okay, time to like get the tickets, let's get going, run into their first obstacle, a blocked train tunnel. Mm-hmm. So they take a balloon over which the is Alps. Hilarious. The shots in the balloon were actually really, really yes. cool to me. So to, to linger on that which a little bit. I just want to talk about and like I laughed so much with them like unwrapping the sandwiches in the balloon and then like getting snow off the top of one of the mountains oh, that to was chill really the champagne. Great. I was like, that is the Maggie Ian move right there. Absolutely is. So that, which one of us is Philly? Which one of us is passport two? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because I don't think any of us, either of us, are as bumbling as Passport 2, but we're both grumpy like Phileas. We call him bumbling, but like he climbs into the rigging of the air balloon and does not die, which I think both of us would Only have a done. bumbling idiot could do that. Oh, okay. That's gonna, all I'm saying. I'm going to start <laughs> using that when I'm in job interviews, being like... I'm a bumbling idiot. I'm a bumbling idiot, but only a bumbling idiot could do the job you need them to do. <laughs> um, so got some really great shots of them traveling the countryside again, really oh, it was too way too much long. it was 30 percent too much i wouldn't say way too much but it's like i felt like a lot of the sequences in this movie were just a touch too long yes and it's kind of like they tried to cover too much mm-hmm. so there was both too much and too little which is funny it's really <laughs> funny they they misappropriated i just time. wanted it exactly how i wanted it <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, so they end up landing in what they thought was the South of France. Nope, it was Spain, Spain, which that whole sequence there where it's like Cantinflas talking in Spanish to all the people around. He's like, oh, we're in Spain. Oh, there's a boat. Oh, here's where the guy that has the boat hangs out. Like all of this. Well, one, the sets were really good. Mm-hmm. The costumes were really, really good. Mm-hmm. I actually did enjoy the shots in in most of the scenes in Spain. So especially in the yeah. club where you have the flamenco dancers. Which was another scene that went on a little bit too long for me. Um, But still impressive. It was really nice because you have like a bullfighter there dancing with the women and yeah, um, when Phileas and Floss gets in and kind of does like a little pasodoble and Uh stuff, and And that's when the guy is like, "I want to see him do more cave work, but with a real bull." (laughs) Yeah. Which but I like that Phileas is like, uh, no. And Passport is like, no, nah, I can do it. it like, it's I, pretty I, great. I did, I did never feel like Phileas was like intentionally putting Passport 2 in danger, which I think is nice. It really is. And not what you would normally see in that sort of relationship, I yeah, don't think. Yeah, well, I think it, it kind of helps establish that like Phileas isn't a bad guy. Like, he's not a bad person. He's just very grumpy and very set in exactly. his ways. But the camera work in that that scene was especially good because I think it was basically one take, but the way that they panned and zoomed made it feel like multiple different scenes mm-hmm. in it. So I, I thought that was very adeptly put together, even if, again, it was too long and there were so many people like, did it need to be that grand? I don't know. But it was it was a very grand yeah. scene. Um, so now we know <laughs> that Passport 2 is going to be in a bullfight the next day. <laughs> he is in a bullfight. So we got to see some bullfighting. And I, again, the bullfighting sequence went on too long for me. But I also, you know, all of these scenes that we're saying are going on too long. A lot of them are very much like visually spectacular. And I think, you know, at that time, a lot of people like would not have been exposed to that because this is a U.S. an American movie. So like mm-hmm. a lot of people in the U.S. would not have been exposed to bullfighting. Like they probably would have heard about it, but like you don't have YouTube. So people aren't looking up videos of bullfighting. Like not that many people have the time and means to travel to Spain to see something yeah. like this. So, you know, even if it may not be, you know, if there's stereotypes or it may not be like a hundred percent accurate and like it is set in the Victorian era, like people are still getting these glimpses of places that yeah. they probably will never see mm-hmm. or definitely haven't seen. So I, I can see the appeal. Yeah. Well, and I, I think so two documentary films that I really, really like Samsara and um, Baraka, they're a large format film shot around the world, no narration, just focusing on different aspects of different cultures of the human diaspora around the world. Mm-hmm. Really cool stuff. Parts of this film and shot certain shots of this film, especially of like the countryside and like on the trains and stuff like that. I got feelings like that where it was like, mm-hmm. here, here's a trip around the world where you get to see the richness of human culture. Yeah. Now, again, 
surface level when you got into specifics with yes. this film. Yes, it is. That aspect of it, to me, it is like, I think that the epic scale of it is what put it in best picture contention. Like this, yes. this does not feel like a best picture to me in that, like it's, it's fun and I enjoy it, but it does mm-hmm. not feel like a best picture in that. Like I, I didn't come away from it thinking about anything. Right. Like even the comedies we've had, like it happens one night, which is like my go-to example mm-hmm. is like one that we really loved and really thought should have won best picture. Like even that movie, like it's a romantic comedy, but like you, you still come away from it. Like you care about the characters. You, th- it makes you think about like relationships and love and class relations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like it, it does something more. Yeah, and this really did. This doesn't. Like it's fun. Like I yeah. wouldn't say don't watch it, but like yeah. <sighs> so passport two successfully does not die. While bullfighting. Yes. <laughs> so this rich person gives them use of their yacht, which I'm kind of like. Yeah. This is kind and of. And I guess this weird. is when they go to Egypt because. Yes. There's something about the Suez crisis because. Exactly. They do kind of like I said, like we we do go to a lot of places in this movie, but they also have like an interesting mechanism for sort of moving the plot along a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. And that's with the people at the Reform Club. They're all betting, of course. They're like a big odds board. And, and everyone's Lloyd's in on it. And of London set. Yes. Gorgeous. And that's like, where a lot of comedy comes in. Is that bad? Maybe. But that's where a lot of the comedy comes in. But like these guys are getting updates on where mm-hmm. Phileas is. They were keeping up odds for like him making exactly. it or not. So like they're, bets. It was funny. they're, um, so like they get something they're like, oh, because of the Suez crisis, like he's not going to be able to make longer odds. Okay. This train to this. <laughs> yeah. So that's like another way that they're, you know, trying to move the plot on a mm-hmm. little bit for us. Um, it's sort of counteracted by those just gratuitous scenery shots. Oh my goodness. But like it, at least they're trying, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So they, they do make it past Spain to their train to egypt and finally get on the boat they glossed over a whole bunch of travel in the middle there and which which is fine like i would mm -hmm. rather have them even focused on fewer locations if we'd gotten more character yes agreed so in egypt i believe is when they first run into that inspector with the bank and he's like kind of grilling passport two and i'm like what the hell passport two stop talking (laughs) he's he's there for the people ian he likes people i know but they do make it on the ship because of course you can't get a warrant to Egypt in the turn of the 20th century in any sort of expedient time frame. Yeah. <laughs> um, so get more gratuitous traveling shots of them on the boat, finally getting to India, which again, I'm glossing over a lot there, which pretty shots, but yeah. again, not really much plot to speak of. No. I did There's a, there's enjoy... a little bit more of seeing Phileas set in his ways when there's mm-hmm. like a storm and he's still sitting on deck eating... Read my mind. Having his exact tea. <laughs> that was with funny. With his hat tied to his head <laughs> against the wind. And like there's the bit where the... um. I guess like the the waiter or the butler on the ship is like, oh, gentlemen, because of the heat, like we're going to do this for dinner instead. And he's like, no, my Thursday evening meal has always been this, Hot this soup. and this. And it will be until the day I die. And I'm like, you are not equipped for international travel, good sir. Especially not when you're traveling. Maybe now you could do it. Not No, then. I was oh, I was thinking if you're a wealthy British aristocrat back in the day, like that is the only time you could have gotten your way to the extent that he gets his way because these days people would be like I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I ugh. Okay, so they do make it to Bombay ahead of schedule because he has bribed the engineer and captain, which I love the amount of bribing that's going on. Oh, it's so much really bribing. funny. Um 
And those scenes were actually shot very prettily, mm-hmm. too. So I'll give credit where credit's due there. But um, we make it to Bombay. And that is where um, Passport 2 has to go off and I believe get some tickets, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, he, he goes off. This is when he has the run-in with the cow that was eating the vendor's flowers. Yeah. And he gets chased by this mop. Now, here is where I'm just like, really? This is... This is India to you all? Because, like, he, he runs through a temple where there are a bunch of monkeys and Which, monks like, praying. And... The sh- way it's shot is really cool and really pretty. But you also have to cringe because you're like, I mm, something like... It's it's not like blatantly disrespectful, but you're like it feels disrespectful because this guy's being chased by a mob through like a religious temple. Yeah, like, and it's like w- one would that really happen, and two that's not all there is to India. It's like, it's like, like I, you understand, <laughs> like especially if you think of Canton Floss as Charlie Chaplin and like that style of acting being kind of silent era, like like the the big room where that, that's like a peaceful sort of setting and then having like one person run through and then they're chased by a mob like that's a very classic comedy thing yeah so like i understand like mechanically why it's there they could have picked a different setting but like though. it it feels like you know it's like something about that you're like something about this feels wrong yeah well and i feel like yeah. i feel like that's what a lot of like when we say that like depictions of these cultures were like a little racist or like very surface level. I feel like that's the feeling I'm talking about Mm -hmm. where you're looking at it and you're like, I can't necessarily say like exactly with, with a couple exceptions that Mm -hmm. like, this is wrong. They shouldn't have done that. Like Mm -hmm. that is blatantly disrespectful. You're just like something about this feels not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's the difference between simply using a location for like plot or set purposes without motivating anything from like a, a, a deeper level. Granted though, they do that with even their main characters. So it's they like, do. Yeah. Well, like again, no one's getting the character development. They're still and, not like, off the hook though. <laughs> right. They're still not off the hook. It's I'm trying to, I think what it, I'm struggling with is I'm like, like there's definitely a better way to do it, mm-hmm. but considering everything that the movie is trying to balance, you know, cause like you're trying to hit all these different locations mm-hmm. because the whole point of it is that you're going around the world in 80 days you know, like, I I think there's a lot to balance there. Mm-hmm. So I, well, I guess, like, lean less on stereotypes would be, like, my one, my, I guess, how you would do it. Like, yeah, which is, a, I mean, we're not. That's not. <laughs> I don't think we're well equipped to provide a good right, fix for exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. But so I. Something's off. So. Yeah. We did get another funny scene here where the inspector is talking to, like, the consulate general or whoever the British official is there and it's like i need this warrant right now can you issue a warrant he's like no and tea time comes along and this was so british crisis or no nothing should interfere with tea (laughs) i have the exact same note that i was like that is the most british thing ever and i love that oh my god (laughs) it was so great which again that's a british stereotype so like yeah i was gonna say everybody gets stereotyped too so there's like a little bit of equality at least with it the was everyone yeah like i guess still. at least it's everyone but then it's also an american film so should we really be stereotyped no americans get stereotyped too oh we definitely in san francisco do. yep okay so i think everybody gets stereotyped in this so maybe i'm a little bit more okay with it i still have i mean i don't think we should be factors but yeah like like none of it's great but but it's a little it's a little i'm I feel a little less icky about it yeah. since it's happening to everybody. At least it's equal opportunity. But anyway, yeah. 
Um, so we we finally leave Bombay with um, Passepartout running from the mob to catch the train, mm-hmm. which, again, Phileas's line about no more diddle doddle is like <laughs> hilarious to me. Yes. <laughs> and he's just so calm, like, okay, you're here. It's fine. My money. Did he have the bag with all the money? I think he did. Oh, there's a line earlier in the film that just made me chuckle because as we've established, Passepartout is like a ladies man. Although Mm -hmm. I never felt he never felt creepy about it. I never felt creeped out by Passepartout. Okay. So I will give that to Canton Floss that I think he was able to play that character still being interested, but not leering. Yes. Like he was still endearing. Like, like he never, I don't know. I never felt like he was like in anybody's personal space base necessarily who's never mm-hmm. threatening in any way so like i don't know i thought he wrote that line well because that could i think could be a very tough yeah role definitely to play and still come off so charming and mm-hmm. like as such a likable character but anyway Phileas hands him the bag full of just money <laughs> and he goes hang on to this or something and what is it passport she says i wrote down the lines and made me chuckle he says i will cherish it like a woman and Phileas says don't make love to it just watch it <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty that good. That made me laugh. Um, so they're on the train making their way to, is it, no, they, where are they going next? Rangoon? I think it is Rangoon. They're going from Calcutta to Rangoon, I think. Which, again, lots of really pretty traveling mm-hmm. shots, really great music, really great sunsets, gorgeous there. But they run into an issue where the train line has not been completed. And all I can say is, did you fucking read anything? Well, no, because they established that it was announced that that train line had been completed because that's why that's part of how the argument that leads to the bet starts is there's like somebody's like, oh, look, they completed the like whatever to whatever rail line. And then they're like, oh, you could get around the world in like this many days now considering that. And Philip's like, actually, it'd be 80. Like that kind of leads to it so like it had been announced that line was done but then it comes up that apparently was like a uh oh if it was in the post like (laughs) yeah nobody else published it but he was saying they had like posted things in the train station and like all the stuff and i'm like come on y'all did you not check this anyway but that's how they get into they get to ride an an elephant. elephant no they they like they like pay this guy to let them ride his elephant to rangoon i believe yeah i love elephants so much this is where I need to find that picture of me writing it. <laughs> um, that again, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know how I felt about them. Like I was okay with it, but only because it is my dream to have a pet elephant. Okay, fair. It, and Granted, it was I f- never will because <laughs> I, I shouldn't. I'm yeah, not equipped because of to that, take well, care and of also an the elephant. Ethical issues of having animals that intelligent in captivity. Yeah. Anyway, like it's. Yeah, like there's so many reasons I won't, but in my wildest (laughs) dream, I have a pet elephant. And that had some really funny shots of them getting like totally whipped in the face by all of the trees (laughs) and vines. So that was really great. Um, But this is where they're, um, we've been told that apparently the thuggies who they eat people, are they cannibals? No, I don't think they're cannibals. They were just, um, they they worshipped... Kali, the goddess of death. So it's like they're they're just like a, they're kind of they make them sound like a cult. Yeah, but it's it's like a very violent sect. And it, I think, but anyway, yeah. they so they're basically just being like it's you know like they are in the like in the middle of the jungle. Like it's not it's not necessarily the safest place. But they're they're talking mm-hmm. about this particular sect that. Um, and anyway, they see here a procession, and apparently it is where the princess is going to go be burned so with her, her dead husband yeah, her on husband the funeral pyre. Her husband died, and so they're also going to put her on the funeral pyre. 
And of course, Phileas in his like, apparently righteous, I must do the right thing mentality, didn't know that that was a thing. Is like, oh, we must save Phileas her. Phileas is rather sheltered. I'm not yeah. surprised he does not know about this particular custom that is still practiced by this particular sect because um, I believe they say that like the occupational British forces have like said no or outlawed that or outlawed it at least in certain places. I don't know. Well, but also there was that comment about how they're so far away from any sort of British control that like... Yeah, yeah, because obviously India is a very big country. Yeah, which... Again, we can delve into the the let's the just not even get colonialism, into the, yes, but, let's not even um, touch the issues of colonialism <laughs> with this one because, like, oh my god, I could go on for hours. Yeah, and we're already like, yes, we just <laughs> way this, far into this. We do so. not have time to tackle the the like multitude of issues with colonialism so, with this movie. With that being said, they. I love that they were traveling with this general. They're trying to come up with a plan. And the general's plan requires 75 men. Yes. Well, I love that they're like talking about, they're, he's, they're like, let's come up with a plan. He's like drawing in the dirt and Passport 2 is like, I have, I have a an plan. Idea. And they're like, Passport 2, please shut up. The men are working. And then the general at the end, David Niven's like, do you think it'll work? He's like, yes. The only problem with this plan though is that it requires 75 men. So basically we're screwed. <laughs> Except for he doesn't say that. But like, meanwhile, Passport 2 is like snug off and he's got an actual plan. Oh, and that was actually really funny when I was like, oh, he's going to, I proudly and believe me or not, I think I called it when I was like, oh, he's going to replace the dead husband. Which he does very fast. And I like that we know because they're looking like um, Phileas and the general are looking through their spyglass. Uh, and we first just see Passepartout's shoes because he's got these very beat up distinctive yes. shoes. And then it pans up and you like see his face. <laughs> and he like nudges the princess who's <laughs> next. <laughs> and I love the look Shirley McLean gives him like, what the fuck? But I guess I'm going with it. <laughs> and again, the, the shot composition and the cinematography was really great. Can we just appreciate really though, like what happened? Passport 2 snuck off in the space of like two minutes. Snuck off, found this corpse, undressed the corpse, redressed himself in, in the, the corpse's, corpse's clothes. clothes. I'm assuming hit said corpse. And took Corpse's no place. Like that It was good. <laughs> the man's fast. And apparently scares the shit out of everybody yeah, who is. He basically the acts fire. kind of like like he's the dead prince rising from the mm -hmm. grave, which of course freaks everyone out, understandably. And they're like, Oh, we have the princess now. Great. Who apparently was educated in London. Yeah. From a young age. And only had seen the uh this is the part where I'm like, okay, this I'm, happened. I'm not I don't think that I would like, I don't think that was necessarily would have been that unusual. Like, if you were from a wealthy family, that they would have sent her to London for oh, education. Oh, yeah, not yeah. that. I'm I'm thinking, like, the betrothed as a child stereotype, which, okay, happened, but is this, I, think it, I don't know. I think that also... Felt sensational to me. I think it's more done because it's needed for the plot in order to explain why she would have been very... Like, why she would have not willingly gone... Mm -hmm. For the satire, and therefore, him. and therefore justifies. But did anybody really willingly go? I don't know. From the, I mean, maybe I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet kind what of situation. Is free, like, I don't we know. Can delve into what is free will, even. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we're, but we're like, just, yeah, but you know, it, it, I think, gives it like a full reason to be like, no, that like she one hundred percent didn't want to be there, did not want to participate in that. It justifies their rescue of her. And she is not emotionally attached to her dead husband, and therefore any romance that she has with Phileas is kind mm -hmm. of, like, unhindered. So I think 
the more engaged from a young age only met him like once or twice is actually because of plot reasons, I think, than being like, that's a thing they do in that culture. Well, and see, I agree that it it works well with the plot, but I'm given the time period that all of this material was created, I am worried that it was that this represents Indian culture. I mean, this is the Victorian era, though. So like, also, so British culture was not opposed to an arranged marriage. Yeah, fair, fair. No. Child marriage, though? No, not child marriage. I mean, I don't... Like... I mean, you would still have people who were kind of, like, engaged to be engaged. Okay. It'd be like, a, oh, yes, our kids will get married one day because of business reasons. Well, anyway. Like, it's not... It not, felt a little Maybe like not me. formally, but, like, yeah. So, they make it to Rangoon successfully. They get on their ship successfully. And this is when we see... Passport to get Shanghai. Oh, no, no, not yet. We're not any, even in Hong Kong yet. Oh, he gets Shanghai in Hong Kong. I have trouble keeping up with what location stuff oh, yeah, happens yeah. in. No, Rangoon, they get on their boat. They're oh, on the yes. boat, which I swear to God, they just repainted their model ship to get those shots of the ship in the water, which uh, cracked me up. I mean, some of the stuff was done with real ships. Well, this was the one where it was like the water and the waves and they saw it, it looked Maybe, like a model probably. ship to me. But they just repainted it, I think, which I thought was kind of funny and also resourceful. Um, but they're on the ship. It becomes pretty clear that the princess is interested in Phileas. Why I do not understand. Because, of course, his stories about whist are so he's, engaging. He's telling her about, like, this game of whist he had and describing it, like, card by card, play by play. And I would be like, I don't care. Why? Like, I, She cares. Yes, I'm happy that as a party, although she keeps being like, he saved me. And I'm like, technically, Passport 2 saved you. Like, Passport 2 did the heavy work. Yes, Phileas was like, we need to save her. So, like, we will also give him credit. But it's like being thankful to someone for saving you is not the same as loving them. Yes. It does not have to be the same as loving no. them. What, why she falls for Phileas so freaking fast. No clue. Or at all. Beyond <laughs> me. Phileas would be like that person that I'm like, I want to be his friend because I find him amusing. But like, I don't want to. We'll hang out like once a month. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, anyway, that's happening there. She there was some fun discussion between her and Passepartout where she's trying to get some intel. Yeah. I think that could have um, been a good opportunity for her to have more care because she is easily the most underdeveloped character. Oh, yeah. In and the movie. Probably the most interesting like could it and like, definitely could have been. been like that I think that those opportunities and like her interactions with Phileas would have been such an opportunity to add like humor to her character, mm -hmm. which would have been really fun and then provided like a different foil yeah. to Phileas along well, with Casper too. And then so that would have helped with Yes, and that would have helped with like Phileas opening mm -hmm. up. Yeah, she's got a lot more perspective because she is Indian and from this other culture, but then like was educated, educated and grew London. up in a different yeah. culture. So like that could have been like she could have been such a good foil and could have like yeah helped with like the main character's character development but no lost opportunity <laughs> like <laughs> major lost opportunity completely which I, it's fine also we could have cast her as not a white woman but you know that's that's you know it's the 50s i mean if bridge on the river Kwai the next year was able to get i know no whitewashing in that at all like come on <laughs> so anyway um Make it to Hong Kong successfully. They find that the uncle of the princess, I think, is that who it was? Anyway, they were dropping the princess off to some relative who had fled the country because he was embezzling money. Oh, um, yes, yes. Let's leave her with him. <laughs> which, again, like that scene in front of there where you, they had the one Chinese man where Phileas was like 
doing his stilted English talk. Yes. I was so glad that that no, man put I, Phileas see, this in is, his place. This is the thing oh, that this yes. is what I was talking about when I said <laughs> that it is interesting that they often have Phileas and Passepartout to a slightly lesser extent mm-hmm. as like the naive, uneducated one, and they're like they kind of make fun of him instead of. Mm-hmm. necessarily making fun of the culture that well he's and like in. showing because like that, these cultures are based on stereotypes but yeah. i don't think they're making fun of them you know i yeah. think that's just well and in this scene in particular well. it was like clear that phileas was going in with the stereotype and then this mm-hmm. random guy just blows that stereotype yeah, out and of just water like, comes in like perfect, perfect english, english. And so I, yeah, I was, that is, a, I think one of a, a redeeming scene in the, this, this film there yeah. in terms of the like cultural representation. I would um, say, I think, I think this film tried in a lot of ways on the cultural representation. I don't think yeah. it always got there. Totally agree. So again, they're getting tickets for the ship. And this is where, again, Passepartout has stumbled so many goddamn times. He just, he's Ian, still he just stumbling. Wants to have fun. He just, the, so Inspector Fix also, takes him to a bar. Also, what the fuck is lemon squash? I believe it's a lemon alcoholic drink. I'm going to look up the recipe. I bet there's gin in while it. While you explain this. I hope this. there's gin in it. Oh, surely. Come on. It's, <laughs> it's got to be British. It's got to be gin. Um, um, I'm going to let you explain this scene. I'm going to look up the recipe for lemon squash because that drink comes up multiple times in this film. Awesome. We're going to record that and put it on the episode, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, gonna, okay, I'm good, going good, good, to good. read out the recipe in so, case anybody else <laughs> is also sitting around being like, what the I fuck need is a lemon, lemon squash. squash. So Fix gets Passepartout because Fix knows and has been trying to delay Phileas this whole time, but he knows that Passepartout is getting the tickets and so he like wears down passport to get a drink with him at this bar kind of basement looking bar place which what was the name of the drink it was a hong kong like a hong kong smash or something like that and a hong kong something yeah and because passport is like he's i I bet a lemon squash isn't alcoholic or something because he's like i'll just have a lemon squash and because phileas is offering lemon squashes Mm -hmm. to people so i bet i bet or he's alcoholic or it's very all about light. the yeah. Anyway, um, but anyway, Passport Two's like, so I can't drink much because we have to get on this boat because Passport Two found out when he was getting the tickets that the boat is actually leaving that night and not the next morning as originally right. planned. He has not been able to tell Phileas this yet. Yes, so Fix is successfully diverting Passport Two, which I'm like, okay, this is infuriating to me understanding all of this information. But this this drink apparently like. You just take a sip and all of a sudden you're smashed. Um, just I, one sip. It looks like that drink might have some sort of hallucinogen in it. I mean, based on the camera work that they did with the like warped multiples of people that they gave us perspective from Passepartout's perspective. I, know, I was like, I was like, like this, this is not. What? what was in is that, that how that works? Did he inject this into his veins or something? I don't know. Okay. Here's what I found for a recipe in lemon squash is that it is apparently a cup of lemon juice cup of water two cups of unrefined cane sugar or regular sugar or raw sugar so just sugar a half teaspoon of saffron and cardamoms or crushed cardamom that powder. sounds delicious sounds so refreshing but, but no it needs alcohol vodka in it. we could put some gin in it i think vodka would complement that better because of the cardamom but I like gin better. And what if we did a little bit of hendrix get that cucumber uh, see i would use a different profile of gin i think the cucumber is going to conf- flicked with the cardamom like one is very bright Maybe. and clean the other is very like deep spice deliciousness anyway we'll i'm not a mixologist at a different, at a different <laughs> if any of our listeners are mixologists please write into us and tell us 
how we should make an alcoholic lemon squash. Because we need it. <laughs> we would That would be so awesome. We'll post the recipe. We'll make it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So any mixologists out there, hit us up. Yes. Um, so Passepartout, obviously, has been taken out. He gets put on some tiny little boat in the harbor, all of his money stolen, and we're just like, okay, well, that's interesting. We also have, and this is not by any means the first cameo in this movie, but um, Peter Lorre shows up on the boat when Passepartout wakes up the next morning, and there is actually sprinkled throughout this movie a lot of cameos. Frank Sinatra makes an appearance at mm-hmm. some point. Marlena Dietrich makes an appearance. So this movie, in a lot of ways, kind of like set up that like cameo, cameo style where you have like the big epic where you're going to a lot of places and you have all these stars just like make a brief cameo mm-hmm. appearance. Yeah. So it was cool. But on the side, we get a little bit of development. And by a little bit, I mean, they just talk a little bit and we don't really get any development of Phileas and uh, the princess. They're like in the hotel and she's like, I'm so grateful for you. Da, 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 all that fun stuff. And he's like, here, come with me for a drink. Okay. For lemon squash. Fine. They find that Passepartout is missing and they're like, oh, well, it'll be okay. We'll just go sleep because <laughs> he's gone missing again. <laughs> Which is funny to me. But again, they had so much opportunity to like well, actually develop their relationship too, there that yeah, they didn't they don't. take. Also, you know, we had at the beginning of the movie that butler crying, talking about what a nightmare it was to work for Phileas Fogg and how particular he is. He, well, he he's not particular now. <laughs> I guess. Like the entire time they're traveling, like he's like, Passport 2, we need to get tickets. We need to be on time for this. But like... I am also that way when I travel. Like, that I get. He's, But, like, he's not sitting there as they're floating over the Alps being like, Passport 2, where is my 83-degree toast? Like, he doesn't He doesn't seem as he horribly He did lower his standards because they're traveling. I guess, but, like, there's no, there's no conflict around it. Like, it just kind of happened. Like, yeah, you know? I wish there was. That would have been, been better. Yeah. But anyway, they discover that well passepartout discovers wakes up on the boat with peter laurie as the like steward i think it's like oh geez you're here did mr fogg make it no oh no and then we cut to them like managing to contract with uh junk to get to uh japan finally yeah <laughs> which that was a funny scene also, i do like when uh Peter Laurie asks Passport2, he's like, do you have any money? Passport2 is like, no, they took it all. And he goes, oh, well, then what, I forget the name of the city they're going to. He's like, but it won't it treat you well. It will not like you. <laughs> Which was really funny to yeah. me. Um, I also love the scene um, with the princess, Fog, and Fix, where Fix is just like seasick, like all get out. Yeah, Fix is the name of the detective, yes, by the way. Yes, yeah, Detective Fix. I don't Fix. know if we said that. Um, so that, that was some funny comedic relief there. But they finally make it to Japan. We got this long sequence where Passepartout is obviously very hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, Poor Passepartout. Yes. And again, I was kind of like, okay, it's Japan. They they leaned really hard on like the geisha part. I don't know how much of the traditional dress was still around though during that oh, time yeah. period. Because remember, it's also eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I don't I don't know how common traditional dress would have been during that time period. Yeah, I need to research that a little bit. But anyway, Passepartout, uh, we discover, is apparently a circus performer. Well, they established that actually <laughs> earlier. So, the you know, Passepartout does, like, He's a like, lot I've of acrobatics so and, like, odd jobs. But they established that very early on, which is nice when they're talking about his resume. And mm-hmm. he's like, I do like, all the things. You've done a lot of things. Like, he taught gymnastics at one point. So, Jack of all trades, like, to the extreme. Yeah, it's not out of character yeah. for passport two to and suddenly needs have a job because he's looking they have this actually really well constructed scene of him walking down the line of vendors mm-hmm. in japan 
looking at all the food and being like, I need this food so badly. Oh, and so I like badly. when he's, there's that nice part where he's considering stealing that apple offering off the Buddha statue, he but doesn't. he doesn't. And then as he's walking by, um, this woman who's carrying more mm-hmm. apples gives him an apple. Yeah. Because he looks hungry and it was just a really nice moment. And then he kind of looks back at the Buddha statue and mm-hmm. like. Oh, thank you. And like, then eats wait, yeah, like that was a little thank you. <laughs> like, I just, I thought that was a really cute, sweet moment. It was. I mean, and again, Passport 2 was the most fleshed out. And that was just uh, kind of more icing on the cake of like reinforcing that, okay, he, he's a genuinely like I mean, he has zero arc person. at all. But like, I still like. He's, but they reinforced his he's character. He's adorable. Yeah, he really is. So, um I don't know why Phileas decided to go into the circus. Well, because he knew that Passport 2 but had I a circus background. <laughs> because because he'd read his resume. So they yes. actually set that up. So I do I do like that like that panned out. What little character things like that that mm-hmm. happen, like they they at least set them up Thank for goodness. us. So it's not just out of nowhere. Yeah. So um <laughs> this this was major comedic relief, which I enjoyed. So he calls out Passport 2, and Passport 2 is the base of this human py- pyramid, and he just leaves. Yes, he like, just, he turns around, he's like, no. I'm out. Or, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> just screams, Passport 2, and everyone in the theater's like, shit, and then Passport 2 just turns around, he's like, master. And, and then, then they rip run. the whole set down, because when the pyramid falls, they like, oh. I was like, Passport 2, what are <laughs> you doing? the whole audience is like, just shouting it, and Passport 2 is like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> So so again, like it's it's passport two and it's Phileas who are like the the idiots causing yes. the comedy. Yes. And they manage to get on their boat and we get some really nice shots of Mount Fuji, really fun in the soundtrack to get some Yankee Doodle in there. Mm-hmm, so they're on um, their way to American San Francisco. Flag. Exactly. Which <laughs> Well San Francisco's a trip. Oh, San Francisco's <laughs> a trip. So this least. is the part where we're talking about how they yeah, so this is where we get what I was talking about, the American stereotypes, and they have a very stereotypical American Western town. Now, I do not remember if this is 1880s, 1890s, 1870s, whatever, and I have no idea how, San Francisco's quote, a really young civilized city. San Francisco was by that era, but it is like Western town, duel in the streets, party everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> There's, well, and there's, there's an a very too. southern gentleman who is rather rude to the princess. Phileas <laughs> has some words with him. Oh my gosh! But that that physical comedy where both the princess and Phileas like beat up this guy with their umbrellas is gold. It is so good. Yeah, that part I enjoyed. Yeah, very no, much. This this movie in general has like like when they have like comedic moments, they're generally very good. And the names of those candidates. It was Mandeboy and Camerfield. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Love it. So this was a fun, fun caricature mm-hmm. of, I presume, but like the American West there, politician. Which is really fun. And I, I loved the question about, is this religion? No, it's an election. And I was kind of like, whoa, that's a really interesting take on it. And especially because we both really like the game Bioshock Infinite. Oh, I was kind of yeah. like, ooh interesting yeah <laughs> which if you haven't played it's like just play bioshock games they're please brilliant. do i love them but that one like has a very politics hyper religion. exactly yeah. hyper religious left yeah or right i don't know anyway right. it would be right um in that game which had an interesting parallel here with that comment but anyway yeah. play it. we get like more train rides through the american west there's a but lot there of like the having scene to stop in the... the brothel first oh. though that i think it was more linked to dietrich who is the yeah. the wife wife 
of the I don't know. I, anyway, this this was more comedic relief, and I really did love Phileas's interaction with the other patron in there, where they're like forcing a hard boiled egg into each other's mouths and pockets, and like eating and cutting off steak from the or mm. chicken. It was just it was really funny, really well shot, and honestly, one of the tidier scenes in the film. I thought they do get on their train to go across the country, and again, honestly, when I saw this scene, I was thinking to myself. I want to do that one Amtrak train ride I that know. goes through the countryside. Really awesome. So I may have to do that now. You should do that. Because <laughs> um, um, it was really pretty. Yeah, it was very pretty. We get more scenery. They're having to stop for like Buffalo and everything. Phileas is complaining about like these American trains not running on time. And it's like, dude, come down. It's a big country. There's a lot of things that can cross these tracks. Oh, yeah. They get to a bridge that the engineer, <laughs> the engineers are like, this bridge cannot take the weight of this train and then the guy they had the issue with in san francisco is also on that train and he and Passporto, who's been sent up by phileas to find out what's wrong are like no we can do it you can do it they all 30 miles an hour just speed across it yeah the <laughs> train almost falls in the chasm when the bridge collapses but that's they make it surprisingly yeah now i will say that one southern gentleman had some of the best stereotypical lines like you sheep stealing son of a tarantula. <laughs> like, where the hell did that come Using from? That. <laughs> um, but they apparently duel because Phileas, like, actually on a train, like, with pistols, I six paces. Loved this. And I love how the conductor is just kind of like, God damn it, not again. Don't ruin, don't miss and yes, hit the woodwork. Like, don't They'll miss take it out and hit paycheck. the woodwork. It'll take it out of my paycheck. He's like asking people very politely to move to the next car. He's like, can you just move to the next car? Like, we just have a duel going on. Like, totally nonplussed. <laughs> But given so what comes up next, I'm not surprised he was just like, eh, it's fine. Because, <laughs> okay, again, we spoke about this earlier about the representation of Native Americans here. Yes. Like, I know that there were raids on trains. And honestly, for like reasons that I could be like, okay, I understand why you were raiding this train. Um, but you have this whole band of Native Americans come up with yeah. bows and arrows and like, it's the whole train Which against again, this band of again, them. And they, they would have probably mostly had guns at the time. I like, mean, they not bows and arrows. Yeah, and like there's there's no there's no setup like reason for them to be raiding the train. Like they haven't established like, oh, we're going through like Sioux land right now and there's been like an issue with this. Like they literally could have just like had a line that explained like why this was happening, but the way they set it up, it felt like they were being like, Oh, this is happening because you know Native Americans, they'll just attack a train for no reason. Like it didn't feel And it's like it didn't feel no. Not real. for no reason. You know, like it didn't it didn't mm-hmm. feel real. Like it, there was there was not even like well, a and line the costume just... design was just like painfully stereotypical. Like with the war paint. It felt very caricature esque. Yes. Yeah. Like in a way and I think like you put it really well earlier where it's like we are most familiar with Yeah. Because we're from the United States where like That is that is part that is of the, the history of, of our country. Representation um, we are most familiar with. Yeah. So I, yeah. Uh, it was so painful. It, and they it's, threw you know, out, we were probably a little bit more sensitive uh, to that one. Yeah. Because we've seen it more. And they even had to throw out like Redskins. And I'm like, really? Yeah. You had to use that word. Okay. That's always one of those things. I'm like, no. That's always one of those things where I'm like, eh. yes, people at the time used that word, but like because you're not exploring any of like the, the complexity and of the complexities of conflicts. Yeah. So like, again, I'm just going to throw out the searchers again. Like that movie's by no means perfect. Um, but it really goes into kind of like the complexity of the relationship and the way mm-hmm. that like the cultures 
interacted and butted heads. And, and it wasn't like, a one rep- – it was not a one-dimensional yes, representation. Yes, it wasn't like a singular representation of like a native culture. So like – yeah, like I, like I said, it's by no means a perfect movie, yeah. but I think I think having watched that recently and then seeing like this stereotypical portrayal just kind of it highlighted that more. Mm-hmm. Definitely did. So we get some comedic relief with Passepartout on the roof, almost getting like decapitated in the tunnel. Passepartout needs a raise, man. He really needs a raise, but somehow he falls off the train. Don't know how he falls. Yeah, off the train. I was very confused by all um, this, and all of this was. I mean, I know they they needed quote needed passport two to get kidnapped so that then there was then a reason for them to go save passport two so that then they were delayed by a day so then Mm -hmm. it makes you be like oh Oh, no no, they're gonna miss the thing but like i guess this is supposed to be phileas's character development where he's now decided that saving passport two who's like been with him through all this stuff is more important than winning the wager even though it's like all of his entire fortune on the line so but, like, I didn't need so much of Passport 2 falling off a train, riding a horse around, being chased the by The camera work was really great. The camera work was beautiful. Did not need those scenes. Like, no. they just went on way too long. It and did. I was like, I don't know the function of this. Like, it could have just been, like, Passport 2. They could have just had Passport 2 fall off the train and be, like, wandering around and lost. That would have been, been fine. like, we need to go find Passport 2. Not, we need to barge into this camp where he is tied up to a stake. Burning. Ugh, that scene was not great. Anyway, they rescue him. They do. They discover that they have to wait a long time for a train. But or they make their own little yes wind train pa- boat train sail. Yes. <laughs> and then they pass was the funny. train, which have broken down. Yeah, so that was a, a delicious little bit of like, oh, screw you! You yeah. didn't wait for us, but we are going to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I was thinking to myself: if you're not on a train and they don't know you're coming, you're going to get in a head-on collision with another train. But we're just going to gloss over that since they did. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's a lot of problems. I was like, I, I was sitting there thinking, like, I hope you're all ready to just, like, jump an abandoned cart. Because you're going to have to. We know that they're on a boat because they've cut back and to the folks in England. And they're like, oh, they're on a boat bound for Venice, like Central America. I don't know which Oh, country. yeah. Yeah, for, like, Venezuela, um, which they've now been approached by a member of Scotland Yard who's like, guys, I hate to uh, tell you this, but a member of the reform club is actually the guy who robbed the Bank of England. And then they're like, oh my God, he's now going to Venezuela. Why would you do that? He's fleeing with all the money. No, what actually happened is that Phileas Fogg got that boat, which was leaving earlier than the boat he was originally supposed Uh to be on and paid them a shit ton of money to, instead of going to Venezuela... Go to England. Well, he also paid them a shit ton of money to destroy the boat to yes. keep it going. So. Which, again, is, like, very funny. <laughs> and you have the captain very upset because they're taking away, like, the figurehead on the boat. That boat was not, not ocean-worthy. It was not. I'm amazed that it survived that voyage, honestly. But he's like, full steam ahead. Oh, it's not going to make it. Full steam ahead. And then the scenes of them dissemble- disassembling it, the scenes of them disassembling it is just, like, it's, it, very it's, funny. it's comedic gold again. Um, but I did really that love. again that also felt like a chaplain film I, it did the comedy in this film is very old school slapstick and kind of goes back to that like 20s and 30s style which i think is why i liked it so much i mean i just liked it because i thought it was funny <laughs> i think that that particular style of comedy though just like kind of speaks it's, to us yeah yeah it, it does so I, I also did love at the end there with it's like land ho and the triumph in the sunset and the music there. Like mm-hmm. that was a really effective transition again, like you yeah. said earlier. Um, now they're trying to get back to London. They but basically he's just have to get on the train and go to the reform club and he's won the bet. And that's it. But he's arrested. Fix has I love that Passport 2 is trying to be like, run, get on the train, <laughs> go master, go. And he's just standing there. 
Well, he's a gentleman. A gentleman do not run. Passepartout's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> um, but he does finally get into a jail, which I'm, I'm kind of like, the fact that Fix comes in is like, okay, the real suspect like confessed. But at the same time, I kind of like <sighs> the idea that like this whole bank robbery plotline, which could have its own movie. Just, like, can, yeah. like, imagine if the movie, instead of being focused on Phileas Fogg's bet, is actually focused on this detective who is hunting down this bank robber and he, like, gets a clue that this guy is, like, traveling down the road. Like, it really is, like, could be its own movie. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I like that it's just this background plot and it's, it's just this guy being, throwaway. like, these people being <laughs> idiots and the fact that Phileas Fogg matches that description, like, has completely just, like, ruined everything <laughs> he has worked for. Like, I think it's... I think it's, it's funny. funny and like weirdly appropriate that like they're like, yeah, we don't need to go too into that plot line. Like well, who actually don't. did it doesn't matter. They also but, didn't like, have time to, ironically. No, but like it kind of like <laughs> I weirdly like am okay with that. I'm like, I, I got just as much information about this bank robbery as I needed. Oh yeah. Well, and we also get some fantastic lines um against Fix, like the comment about Wis uh about Fix playing an abominable like, game of whist. <laughs> like, I love that. that was his greatest is so insult. Good. Um, so again, like the the writing itself, taken by itself, is funny and I think worked. Mm-hmm. Did it all fit together in a way that I liked? Not so much. Anyway, he does get back to his house defeated. Fog does. Fog mm-hmm. and the princess and Passepartout. Fog and the princess decide they're going to get married. Like okay then. That's Ian, fine. They traveled around the world together. Obviously. She saved her. She plays good whist. Obviously, the things you want in a wife. Exactly. Good whist player, can make tea, was there. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> this goes back to the question of why women were throwing themselves at the high flyer in the greatest show on earth. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. But I did really love how Passepartout immediately notices it's Saturday when he goes out to get to the, the priest. Yeah, because yeah, you got the, the kid walking by with the board. Uh-huh. And it's like Saturday's news on it, which is funny because the first time we hear of the bank robbery, it's the kid walking by with the newspapers yeah. and the board just says, Bank <laughs> of England robbed. <laughs> which is great. And so they then they get this more comedy of errors trying to get to the club in time. Well, because they crossed the international date line. So they actually yeah. gained a day. So But they didn't remember that. Right. Which I'm Understandably, like, Phileas Fogg, what are you he doing? He got arrested. Okay, but if he had all this planned out like this, he should have remembered that he was going to cross Remember, the date line. Fix his idiocy was the one thing he didn't plan for. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But <laughs> like the scene with the cabbie and the sneezing and the horse that would only listen to the cabbie, I'm like, oh my God, this was so good. But somehow they make it mm-hmm. in time. Just in time, which, oh my God, what a good entrance when all the players are like, but they're like, I don't think he's going to make it. He's like, but Fog's always punctual, punctual. And Fog's like, yes, I am standing in the Did doorway in waiting? his smoking jacket. Yes. Did I keep you waiting? And I was just like, <laughs> boss move right there. Exactly. But then they have the princess come in as well. And they're like, it's the end of the British Empire. Yes, like a woman in the reform club. And he's like, my dear, you must leave immediately. Which I, I wish Fog had not been like, you must leave. I wish he had just been like, nah. Don't care. Like that would have been like more fun for his character development. Passport like, two in the window too. <laughs> yes, for him to like no longer care about rules like that. Like yeah. that would have been a good development for him. But yeah, they're like, well, having a woman in the reform club spells the end of the British Empire. And like Passport two flings open the window. He's standing there. He's like, I'm here. And then a painting falls of like one of the kings. It was funny. And it was like, really this funny. This is the end. And then it cuts to the end. Mm-hmm. So not a little nod and a wink. Yeah. So and I actually do. I normally I don't comment on the end credits, but 
end credits in this film, I actually watched the entire sequence because it was really fun. Mm-hmm. So it was they, very cool. They animation. had Passport Two represented as his bicycle. They had uh, Phileas represented as a hat with legs and a clock on it. Mm-hmm. And then the princess was like this wispy set of floating eyes. Um, and it kind of rehashed their entire journey, but in this highly stylized 50s era animation with like thing like it reminds me a lot of the in an early version of what the archer tv series does with their intro mm-hmm. um where it's like all the different characters getting introduced as their like kind of animated counterparts and the music was really good and it, it was really fun to watch yeah. so anyway um if you want the like short version of the film, <laughs> they went around the world in 80 days. <laughs> there you go. You can watch the it's end. It's literally credits. the title. <laughs> so, um, yeah, ultimately I think it was a fun time. Yes. It was way too damn long. I, I think in general, the movie's a little too long. I think in my opinion, I would not have put it as best picture. I would easily have had the searchers win that year. But I do think it's a fun movie and I think it's worth a watch. And like they do yeah. some really kind of cool, fun things. And like it's a fun brand of comedy. And like, y- you know, like it's it's a good watch. Like if you have like, I don't know, like a Sunday afternoon you're just trying to kill. Mm-hmm. Like it's a fun one. Yeah. So definitely agree it's a fun one. It is long. So it is a commitment. There is an intermission. So I think you but, could reliably split it. Well, and also because like it's not super thematic or anything and there's not like a ton you're going to. Like, if you miss a little something, it's not really going to hinder the film. Like, it's a good one to put on in the background. It yeah. It does not take, agreed. like, a ton of focus. Okay. So, lists. So, um, I've decided to put Around the World in 80 Days at number 18 on my list. So, okay. again, we've done 29. So, this is, like, kind of in the bottom third-ish of mine. So, that's after An American in Paris and before Going My Way. Okay. Yeah, I can see like, that. Like, I think American in Paris was eye candy with development <laughs> if not that makes much. sense i mean not much weak on the characters, but the but the focus on some of the characters that we actually like it focused on the characters more and like i cared more about them than i did here God, and it was look- gorgeous like that dance sequence in the middle i sorry like that okay. that that trumps anything that around the world in 80 days does and then for going my way i enjoyed going my way just fine very heavy on the character but like I, there's something about the epicness of this, which I guess I'm falling into the the camp with the Academy of this era that I'm kind of hate. <laughs> but yeah. the epic kind of trumped that film and the grandness of the different scenes that they had, especially in like Spain. And then it was just, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words so well, but I, it, it felt like it, it was better than going my way. So I'm going to put mine at number 16. So after Life of Emile Zola, but before An American in Paris. Oh, interesting. I liked the score in this so much more. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so much funnier. I don't think either of them have strong character at all. But like, I don't, I don't know, like something about this, like, Canton Floss was so charming, so I like loved watching him. And there's like a physical comedy to it that I really liked and like really appreciated. And I don't, I don't know, like I even even though this was long, it felt a little less of a chore to watch than American in Paris. Like I had some very fundamental issues around some of the writing in mm-hmm. American in Paris, whereas like with this, 
I like I thought that in general, like the dialogue was good and like, no, there's not a lot of character development. Like, I mean, really, the characters change very little, Mm -hmm. but like they were consistent, if that makes sense. Like there there was nothing that anybody did that I was like, that makes zero sense. There were no characters that I was like, why do we have this character? Like, even though the princess didn't do a lot, like I didn't I wasn't like, just get rid of her, you know, like she still I think like did serve a purpose to the movie yeah so whereas like there were definitely some characters in American in Paris that I was like why do we even have this <laughs> element of the plot yeah, like cool fair. it was a good s- sequence but like why is this even here so I don't I don't know I just I enjoyed it more but I think they're very similar movies where they are mostly eye candy I, I totally agree with you there and what was it uh after a uh, life of Emile Zola. Oh, that's right, that's right. Which is a lot better. Than one this of my one. favorite. Well, and that one makes you actually like think, and that one like really will get you emotionally. So yeah, yeah. no, that's great. Every so, time I look at my list, all I can think of is that I have Mutiny on the Bounty way too low. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe once we get like halfway, well, there will never be a halfway. Um. Anyway, we. I don't know. Once we we'll catch up out. with whatever the current year is, I think we should go back and do like a version of our lists that are like. Now that I've seen all of these, yeah. this is how I would do it. So stay tuned for that in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that long, but in a while. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like Maggie said, if you have some uh, a free time where you want to watch something that's just like some good eye candy, got some good comedic moments, definitely worth it. Yeah. So, um, but in the meantime, uh, you can definitely hit us up on social media. Love to hit from you. We're at Best Pictures Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's something more long form, please send it in to us. Love to hear your thoughts. It's we're the uh, Best Pictures Podcast at gmail.com. You got it right. I did off the top of my <laughs> head and impromptu. Yeah. And again, any mixologists out there, tell us how to alcoholify a lemon squash. <laughs> um, So thanks for listening to this and join us next time for the 30th best picture winner, Bridge on the River Kwai.